Hey everyone, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 26. That's right, guys. Episode 26. I think I always say this because I'm always like pleasantly surprised that like I've managed to do this for 26 weeks in a row. So this week, um, I had the absolute pleasure of watching a fantastic panel on YouTube. Uh, the link to this will be in the show notes so that you too can go and watch this panel and have as much fun as I did. Um, and you're probably like, what is she talking about? So because of so many things that are happening in the real world um, surrounding um, black people in the United States and how we are treated, um, a bunch of authors and people decided to come up with a virtual book festival called the Juneteenth Book Fest. And obviously, this is the first time they've ever done it. I do hope that this becomes an annual sort of online book festival. I will say um, that online book festivals are, to me, sort of really, really cool. And whenever one day in the far off future, we decide that we can again congregate in large groups without the fear of catching a disease, um, that we still continue to have online festivals. Because one of the things that I think is different about this um, other than the fact that you don't have to be in a crowd with a bunch of people and potentially be exposed to, you know, uh, disease, is that you can rewatch right the event. You can rewatch the panel. If you miss something, it's not like well gone. And it it isn't to say that sometimes it isn't cool to be part of things that like only you know select few were privy to or lucky enough. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, you know what? It should be, like, we should, let's, hopefully we'll have a balance. Anyway, the Juneteenth Book Fest uh, panel that I watched was Black Love Writing Black Romance, right? And it had Alyssa Cole, Beverly Jenkins, Rebecca Weatherspoon, and Farrah Rashawn. And if you're like, Esther, I don't actually know who these four authors are. That's okay. I mean, they all all four of them have a pretty, you know, have a backlist, some longer than others. Uh, Miss Beverly Jenkins has been publishing books since 1994. So it's been 26 years of wonderful, wonderful books that you can now read. So if you've never heard of these four authors, or you've never read these four authors, I would suggest that you, you know, open up a library app, whether it's Libby or Overdrive or whatever, and start putting some books on hold. If you, if you know, you're feeling a little flush with the monies, like, you know, you, you got some bonuses, you, you're getting some decent overtime pay, you know, you're, you're just feeling, you're feeling a little rich, then you can either head on over to Bookshop um to purchase some of their books um i have some of miss jenkins books in my bookshop if you want to you know give me a percentage of the sale you don't have to you don't have to or if you're like oh i don't know about bookshop or you're you know 
Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, there are many places that you can purchase the books from these four authors and you will have an amazing time. And you might be like, Esther, Esther, I love listening to your podcast, but I mean, sometimes I'm not the biggest fan of romance. That's okay. I mean, technically speaking, Alyssa Cole's about to come out with a thriller. Okay. Okay. And I feel like you should give just give them a chance just give them a chance when they blow you away with their talent um just you know pat yourself on the back for listening to me and getting their books <laughs> you're probably like yes sir. and i'm like that's right guys that's right pat yourselves on back for listening to me so one of the things that i really enjoyed about this panel was that so they were you know Alyssa was asking questions like sort of you know like did any of them read romance before they started writing romance and you know and when they read romance was it romance that had people that looked like them so romance with black people and Miss Bev was like I grew up in the 50s and 60s so no she's like she read the classics but she you know wouldn't have found romance with people who looked like her on the cover um i believe pharaoh Rashan said that she i think it was a suzanne brockman title that she that was the first time that she read something that had um people black people on it um and so what that got me thinking is um as i mentioned in the very first episode um, I started reading romance when I was probably 11, maybe 12, mad young, you know, and definitely smuggled the book at the library and smuggled back. Um, and it's okay. You know, everybody's, everybody's fine. But I, you know, and I, you know, was born in, you know, 1983. So like 11, I would, that would have been 94. Ooh, which would have been the, um, Beverly Jenkins called it the summer of black love because books by her, Rochelle Allers, Brenda Jackson, Donna Hill, Betty Ford, I think she said Lynn Forrester, all came out that year. Um, but I don't remember being like in my public library and being like, oh, on the cover, are people who look like me? No. Um, to be 100%, I think I might have noticed people who looked like me on the cover of a romance possibly by my late teens maybe on a harlequin um and i don't think i would have picked it up i don't remember i don't remember reading romance with black characters until and that's the thing there's a part of me that's like i'm so sorry but it's not clear to me in my mind when was the day the time the book where i was like these people look like me and i must read um also maybe part of it is i you know i'm black but my parents are from latin america i'm i'm a child of immigrants right first generation born so there have been times where i have sort of felt very separate from i guess the black experience not in the like i'm like i don't think i'm black girl no i'm blackity black like i got an afro i'm i'm a black person but sometimes things that made sense or were obvious to black americans or people you know descended from slaves that are black in canada that i was like what what is this i don't know for example like juneteenth was something i learned 
when I moved to New York several years after living here. So, you know, these were just things that I, it's not like I could like go home and be like, hey, mom, dad, like, tell me about the history. I mean, because they are going to know because like, that's not their history. So I can't remember which Beverly Jenkins book was my first book. Um, I, no, no, I do remember seeing them in the library and I feel like I must have read a few of her historicals sprinkled in with, like, during the time when I first read Lisa Kleypas, which was probably almost 20 years ago now, but it, I wasn't, obviously, at that point in time, I would have been 16, 17, 18, thinking so much like oh people who look like me it would have been like maybe I was still on I don't know it just didn't stand out for me I think what really stood out for me was when to say tempted was when I was like ooh, um and just in general it it took a very long time for me to be like oh Because as they were talking about in the panel, often black romance wasn't shelved with romance. It was shelved with African-American books or in Canada, they would have called it African. They might have said African-Canadian or nope, no, I forgot. It would have been urban books. And because there were, I do remember a friend of mine giving me Eric Jerome Dickey books, but I didn't like them. I I wasn't a fan. So in my mind, urban books were like Eric, Eric Jerome Dickey books. So I didn't go ever looking in urban books to find anything because it was like I don't really like this take it away um and so if other authors you know like a Brenda Jackson like Rochelle Allers like are being shelved over there instead of in regular romance and I'm just going to romance then am I gonna find them no no I'm not that's not what's going to happen um and so this was something that they this is something that they talk about in the panel because it's like a romance reader, um, especially, you know, if you don't know that this is how they're shelving things in libraries or bookstores, then you're just going to assume that, like, there aren't romances with people who are black on the cup or, you know, it, like, you're just not going to believe that it, it's out there. And you're going to have to do a lot more research, which is like, luckily now we have Google and, you know, all these free ways of finding information out. But like, were we doing all that before smartphones? I don't think so. So I, I really enjoyed listening to them speak about, you know, both the things that they've had to deal with while being in this industry. Um, the ideas that, they, I mean, Rebecca Weatherspoon has like, fantastic premise like her ideas for like stories i'm just like oh but these ooh, but that ooh, ooh, like wow like i feel like my brain is like like fairy rashad was like i can barely name a character and i was like i feel yes yes how do you come up with like these amazing sort of story ideas and the rest of us are out here been like do i call her Lisa? Do I call her Jennifer? Do I call her Arabella? Do I give her, like, what do I even name this person? Anyway, I just really, really enjoyed the panel and being able to see it. Um, I, I think I've, have I watched it twice? Or I, no, I've watched it like three times. Um, because I was just like, oh, 
this is fun. Um, it's fun to get to listen to them, um, especially as a reader, and hear like what they have to say, and you know, especially as there are so many conversations happening. You know, the publishing paid me hashtag, which was like, oh, because as someone who works at a company that's publishing adjacent, had a friend who worked at Penguin Random House, had another friend who, you know, worked at Seven Stories Press and then Harper Collins, And so I know people who've worked in publishing and often the conversation's like, you know, but the money, but the money, but money, right? That's why people get paid, you know, cents on a dollar live in New York City, right? There are people out here making 32, 35, 36, thousand dollars to work as assistants while living in new york city you might be like is that a bad thing esther here's the thing rent in new york city is absurd so that is gonna barely get you a room and i say barely i mean barely get you a room with multiple roommates not one but at bare minimum two roommates if not you know another five or six so to know that this is the kind of stuff that's happening, right? That people are being told, people of color and black people are being told there isn't enough money, right? And which is why we pay you so low, which is why your advances are so small. And then, you know, the one that really sticks out, really sticks out, is a, a white male who got a $800,000 advance for a debut. That's six figures for a debut. But there are people who have demonstrated that they can sell and they don't. Um, what? So it was really interesting to sort of see um, or to hear from these authors as I talked about what all of this meant. Um, and then it also, some of you might be like, oh, is like, some of you might not realize that some authors right are a hybrid they are traditionally published and they indie pub they self-pub right they like have some books that they have you know sold to publishing houses and then they have books that they publish themselves um as ebooks and you know as a is it print to crap I don't remember what the acronym is or whatever, but it's like when you can get your print books. Uh, oh, print to order. Nancy, sorry. Sometimes brain fart. Um, and so, so you might be thinking, well, like, why would you like self-publish, right? Or why would you do one or the other or both? And there are, you know, many reasons to do either just traditional, just self-publishing or to do a hybrid of both. Um, and for black people, for black romance authors, very often, or it feels like that the self-published road has been the only road because traditional publishing is too busy being like, we don't think this will sell. We're not sure about this. And then if they have bought your book because they didn't bother to put any money into marketing for it when it doesn't sell, because again, they didn't tell nobody about it. They're like, see, we tried, but it didn't sell. So I guess we're not going to try no more. And you're, I'm looking at them like, but you, but you, a book can only sell if people know about it and for people to know about it it needs marketing but you didn't market it because you didn't expect it to sell so how's it gonna sell if you did <laughs> anyway 
anyway that's just you know a minor rant that i have like uh, as i mentioned i'm in a adjacent to publishing company and of course my job is now having the conversation like how can we also be better and i'm like i don't know you know stop just picking everyone from one like anyway that's a whole other other story and we're just not gonna go down that road because i don't i don't want to anyway so like i said the juneteenth book fest uh romance panel which was black love writing black romance with Alyssa Cole, Beverly Jenkins, Rebecca Weatherspoon, and Farrah Rashawn was fabulous. Also, if you're like, Esther, I've read all four authors and I've read their entire backlist and I'm sitting here waiting on their new books and, you know, basically like being like, universe, when is the next book coming? They also gave great recommendations of books that you uh, should also get. I literally at the end kept like pausing and then just going to Amazon or whatever and be like, I need this book and 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 I need this book. Like my my tbr just like exploded but that's okay because i would love like i love the idea of my tbr exploding with amazing books and some i had like heard before and was like oh i forgot that i bought that i do need to read that and some i was like i don't know who this is this is new to me (laughs) because i love it when i find you to me authors that have like a decent backlist because then I like have time to get through all their books as opposed to like when you find a really great author who only has a debut which is like still a wonderful thing but then it's like oh so now I have to wait for the next book for however long oh okay I mean it's fine I know it takes time to give us the amazing stories that we are given by so many wonderful authors it's just sometimes Sometimes I'm a bit impatient, but I'm learning about patience, guys. I'm learning about patience, especially as, you know, the world burns. So this is, we're now going to, um, actually, no, I'm going to pause here in case you're like, need a moment to run to, I don't know, the toilet to get some water to hydrate yourself because it is, it's gross now. Summer, Summer was like, hey girl, hey, did you miss me? Did you miss the humidity? Did you miss feeling sticky and gross 24 seven? Well, guess what? I'm here. And if I'm like, I didn't miss you. She's like, guess what? I don't care. I'm still here. So we're going to pause here, go drink some water, Take a break. Rest your eyes. If you've been looking at devices, rest your eyes. And I will speak to you in uh, 40 seconds. Yeah. All right. So we're back. So you're probably like, okay, so now what are you going to talk about? I'll start. So two things. First, I'm going to start off with... Uh, Rum Book Pod is planning a hashtag Jenkins July special. That's right, Jenkins July special. And you're like, what does that mean? So basically, um, if you go check out their, I think you you can do it through Twitter and I also believe Instagram. Um, they're basically like getting people's like sort of little stories of like what their first Beverly Jenkins book was. Um, and you know, doing the whole thing for Jenkins July, which I'm very excited for because I think like yes, she should have a whole month where we just highlight all of her amazing, amazing, amazing books. So definitely check out Ron Book Pod, um, because I think like 
I mean, they have wonderful, wonderful episodes. And I actually got to be a guest on one and I felt very, very fancy. I was like, oh, yes, I would love to chat. I would love to chat. It was, it was all, I really had a lot of fun. Um, so I want to start off with that. So the book that I read this week that I'm going to be talking to you all about is A Chance at Love by Beverly Jenkins. <laughs> In case you're like, I didn't expect it to be a Beverly Jenkins book. Surprise! Um, if you figured that out, I'm, I'm glad because, you know, eh. Um, anyway, so this book, I had it. Why did I? I think I was just literally like, why did I pick this one? I don't know. I literally borrowed it from the library and was like, boom, time to read. Because I was like, oh, yes, I, I don't think I've read this. And uh, I'm curious. So our two main characters, um, we've got Lorelai Winters, uh, who's a lady gambler. That's right, guys. A lady gambler. And uh, she is... So she, her father was a white man and her mother was um, a enslaved woman. So it's immediately, it's like, okay, so that's sort of where things start for her, right? So in case you're like, oh, did that happen back then? Yeah, yeah, it did. You should know, I mean, I shouldn't say you should know this. Not everybody knows these things and that's okay. Um, but yes, it was very much, eh, what in the world? Sorry, I had a minor brain fart. Yes, I picked this up and I was like, yes, I can't wait. So when we start the book, it's June of 1884 and we're in Hanks, Kansas, Um, which I always laugh because I always thought that Arkansas was Arkansas because it's literally spelled Kansas and then A-R in front. And having obviously not grown up here, I was just like, oh, Arkansas. And then people were like, it's Arkansas. And I was like, eh, what kind of, and I was, that happens to me with certain words of places here in the United States that I grew up reading, but had never heard pronounced. And then I got here and people were like, ooh, girl, no, that's not how you say that. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. That's how it was spelled. And that's how I thought. That's how I always imagined it was said and whatever. Anyway, so our book starts in 1884. Lorelai is a lady gambler. Lorelai is a rich woman, right? She's not a poor woman because she's a, you know, she's a successful lady gambler. It's not like she's like, I gamble and then I lose everything. And then I'm, no, no, no. Homegirl's like, I got money and I'm going out to California to like make more money. Um, But she ends up in Kansas because she's on this you know, she's on a train of mail order brides coming from out east because in during this time in the west, you got a lot of men who go out west to, you know, find land and set up homes and towns and whatnot. But then at some point they're like, I would I would like a wife. I would like some children and there just ain't enough ladies around. So it's kind of like, OK, I'm just going to have to figure out a way to you know and this is 1884 so like you can't just like open up hinge and swipe 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 no no sorry no hinge no telephones uh, unfortunately uh, or not unfortunately maybe maybe they had it right crazy 
but you got to put like an ad in the newspaper and hope someone responds and travels by train to you. And when they get there, it's like, all right, let's go get married. So originally, Lorelai isn't planning on getting married to anybody. She was just on the same train with these women and they bonded because, you know, the train, I think the conductor was kind of like, I ain't going to help y'all ladies. Like y'all are on this train, but like y'all, you know, because it, these are also women of these are black women and so of course the train conductor is probably like mm, i mean we let you bond you should be happy so they have a bond she gets there she's about to head on out to california and she comes across two twin girls who are dressed like little boys which is fine and they're mad cute and they're kind of like are you someone's mother like someone's mama and she's like girls now and they're like do you want to be our mama and she's like wait what and they're like come on like meet our uncle and like maybe y'all can figure something out so their uncle jake reed is a hog farmer right and he's a hog farmer who's also trying to organize the local farmers into a union so that they won't be you know price gouged and they won't be taken advantage of by you know the more capitalist like part of their town so jake reed she brings the two twins home and jake reed's kind of like who is this like absolutely gorgeously stunning woman who mm, is probably what was happening here and they're like we were hoping that and she's like now guys i gotta go to california and so what i thought was really interesting about this book um Lorelai is not a heroine um, who is like, she's not like retiring and like quiet. She is very, very clear that she is an independent woman and that does she, it does not need men to do what she needs to do in her life, right? She is able, she is very much able to do whatever she needs to do without the interference of you know the dudes the men the those people and so i really really liked how she was just kind of like hmm you know i don't need and what i also thought was really cool is that this her ideas of what she expects of herself and of others right are of course rooted in her past which isn't you know the greatest there has been a lot of hardship a lot of pain um but she's never she doesn't come across as angry and bitter because of what she's gone through um and you could you know i mean it is a romance novel so it would be weird if everyone was like mad bitter mad angry it's like well how who, who gonna love her although sometimes i think to myself why not why not have a romance where homegirl's like bitter and angry and it's like men are the devil and eventually she finds one that she's like you know i mean they're still the devil but you okay all right fine i wouldn't mind having that so one of the other really things that i really enjoyed about this which i didn't know going in um is that Lorelai is ex- is an experienced heroine. Jake is not an experienced hero. Um, in romance, very, 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 very often, um, the hero 
has had lots of experience. Sometimes it's, you know, because he's a hoe or, you know, a rogue, a rake, a player, just, uh, you know, promiscuous, uh, sowing his wild oats, uh, just out here, sticking it in all the holes that he can stick it into. And I was like, oh, I mean, okay, cool, awesome. And then, of course, he meets the heroine and is like, I need to, like, make sure that her first, second, third time is amazing because the heroine then does... And when I say the heroine, I'm more so talking about historical. Very often in historical, the heroine is like, I've never even touched myself. And he's like, okay, I have to, like, make sure that this is an traumatic experience because I love her. Which, I mean, also sometimes makes you question, like, so if you didn't love her, would you just, like, what? Anyway, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised when, like, the heroine, like, hasn't ever had sex but, like, is aware that, like, she has a vagina and that she can, like masturbate and bring herself to orgasm and you know and then other times it's like oh no she's been married or this that and the other she's a fallen woman yada 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 but the idea of a a woman who's more experienced with a man who is less experienced I mean it shows up in romance but it isn't like the norm so when I was reading it and I think I think Beverly Jenkins did a really great job because I I don't think I figure. I mean, they have their first like love scene, and then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And at first, I was like, "Oh, he's just lazy." And then I was like, I kept reading. I was like, "Oh, he just didn't know what to do." Oh, okay, that's sad. Um, and I liked that. Like, she she decided to have that kind of conversation within this book. That you know, what if you know you have a man who's inexperienced but decides or allows to be himself to be taught right because at the end of the day we all do have to learn right we don't just like come out of the womb with all the knowledge that we need to have like the greatest sex ever oh yeah like no girl like no 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 nobody no <laughs> we do not get an instruction manual when we hit puberty that's like so this is this 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 is. i mean some of you might have been lucky enough to have parents who were like here is the manual for you to learn about how to pleasure your partner but i'm gonna say that 90 plus percent of us don't get that so i liked that i mean he did as is as makes sense for a man of that time and i feel like we would see that kind of reaction even in a man of today um there were moments where it was kind of like <laughs> maybe it's because she's a hoe and maybe they're like there's nothing wrong with me right because this is also a time period where it what is taught is that like good women don't enjoy it right because it's just for procreating it's like trashy women hoes whores right so women who are escorts and live in you know whore houses that enjoy it but good god-fearing women oh of course not <laughs> they just lie back and think of the queen and I, i'm thinking okay this is the united states after the revolution so i guess you don't lie back and think of the queen right because like that's why you got rid of them so maybe it's like you just lie back and think of wash day or your biscuit recipe or i don't know you lie back and think of something right so there's all of that is sort of like enmeshed in this idea like well 
what? Um, and so the fact that we get to see these two as Lorelai and Lorelai is like, I'm going to teach him, but she isn't cruel about it. She isn't mean. She doesn't like belittle him for not knowing. She's surprised that someone as handsome as him doesn't know. She's kind of like, but you are hot, 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 man. How handsome, handsome, handsome for everyone. Qu'est-ce Como? Cuando? Right, so she's a little like, but I, like, I wasn't really expecting this. Like, I thought like, based on, but it's one of those like, mm, but isn't that what happens when we dodge a book by its cover? We make assumptions that make an ass out of you and me. Um, so I personally was like, oh, yes, I want to see how this goes. Now, the other thing that I thought was, so there, because Jake is organizing a union, and obviously the history of that is very, very, like, people weren't like, we just came together and created unions and, like, the titans of industry were cool with that titans of industry like we gonna kill people if we got to because we can't because unions means we don't get as much profit you still get a profit you still get as much right you don't just get to work people into the ground and so for most of the book or for the first almost more than half of the book i kept like waiting for the moment where Lorelai and Jake would have to deal with the conflict of what happens because he's organizing and because he wants to create something that will benefit, you know, black farmers um, in, in specific, but also just farmers in general. So for a lot of the this book, I'm like, I'm, I'm you know, like, oh, OK, like they're going to, you know, they're gonna end up together and then like that's gonna be like the final like sort of conflict um and you're probably like wait how did they even get together so like finally the two twins kind of convince the two yeah the two twins basically convince Lorelai it's not that they convince Lorelai they basically tell the tell their uncle like we want a new mom but like we really just want her so if it's not gonna be her then it's fine we just won't get one and he's like shit I, I, they need a mom because I'm not going to be able to I don't know shit about shit so he's kind of like Lorelai can you do this like temporarily and she's like skirts her what and he's like yeah like be their mom temporarily and she's like I'm going to California and he's like I know and at first she's like nah and then she's like fine they're so cute I already care for them and then he's like cool we're getting married and she's like married and he's like yeah she's like for what he's like so you can be their mom and she's like i could be a governess and he's like no marriage and he's like i'll find a real wife because it'll just be temporary because you're gonna go to california after a year and she's like not sure how that's gonna work out for you but eh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it and then we get from all that right to like i'm like oh they're gonna get married and and then uh, the conflict ends up being not Jake's organizing work, but the Lorelai's past. Specifically, a man from Lorelai's past, which what I thought was really interesting is Lorelai speaks of this man as being someone who was kind and loving. Not that she was ever in love with this man, but like he was kind and loving and made her see, you know, that relations between a man and a woman didn't have to be you know 
an absolute violation and you know the worst thing possible so you read that and you think okay like homeboy from our past can't be that terrible and then he shows up and he's awful he is bad i'm so sorry he is no he is no good no bueno very bad and because Lorelai doesn't ever want her past to hurt Jake, who she's come to love, and the twins, who she loves dearly, she leaves. And a part of me, like, when I got to that point in the book, I was like, the fuck? I was like, no, Esther, you're reading a romance, and Beverly Jenkins wouldn't put you through this without giving you happily ever after. But I got to that point, and I was like, what in the fuckity fuck? What in the fuckity fuck? But, hmm. I was like, this is not, this is not how I envisioned this going. Yet at the same time, I was like, ooh, I mean, I, I'm curious about questions. So many questions. So, of course, it's a, ha- it's a romance. There is a happily ever after. These two end up together. The lady gambler and the hog farmer from Kansas end up together with twins. Um, and it is... I thought what was really interesting is that it was, I guess what it made me think of is Lorelai's decision, right? Wasn't a decision of like, I'm running away. Lorelai's decision was like, I cannot be the reason that these three people who I love dearly are injured or killed or ended. I cannot be the person to bring that kind of terror and strife to their life and it sucks because i absolutely love this family we've created but i would rather be on the other side of the country and know that they are safe than be with them and like you know literally lead destruction to their door of course because it's a romance it's like wait 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 but like the bad guy gets us just desserts and of course they're able to reconcile and i also think it's like i think it was really really well done i think it gives such a fascinating glimpse into um what life would have been like right you know you're you're moving out west to be a mail order bride or you're a lady gambler and all that that entails and how people might underestimate you because you're a lady gambler because the banker in the town in Hanks, Mr. Soul Diggs, is a butthole. Um, and she ends up having to be like, you know what? You want to play with my money? Fine. Let's investigate you and let's see what happens. And I was like, yes, girl. Call the fence on that fool. Make it right. Um, and it was... I really, really enjoyed it. And then when I got to the end, apparently she's been in two other books and people were like, we want her book. And I was like, well, now I have to go read these two other books because I don't think I've read them. Um, So obviously every time I read one Jenkins, I'm like, eh, but there are so many more I must read. Which makes sense because as I said, she first started publishing in 1994. Uno, nueve, nueve, cuatro. That's the numbers in Spanish in case you're like, what is happening? So I really like this. A Chance at Love was a delightful book. Um, and I 
like I said, I really liked the crazy twist that I wasn't expecting. So I legit was like, yo, what's going to happen? Like, it's going to have to be something to do with the unionization. And Beverly was like, nah, girl, nah, girl. Let me, let me twist it up. Let me, let me, let me twist it and reverse it. And give you something that you, you did not see coming. Hey. And some of you might be like, Esther, you didn't see that coming. You silly. I didn't see it coming, okay? Leave me be. Leave me be. Let me be. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, what else? I was going to say something else about this Beverly Jenkins book. But I've forgotten. Oh, well. Anyway, if it comes to me, I'll bring it up again. And if not, well, it'll be a, it'll be a thought that left never to return. Never. Um, oh, there was one other thing. I think I, I remembered it. So, Jake's father was a preacher, but also, uh-huh, um, he was an adulterer, and the preacher currently is also an adulterer. And I was like, ooh, yes, let's talk. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you threw that in there. Because, you know, there are some of these quote-unquote God-fearing men out here who are just terrible, terrible people, terrible. And so... I was like, oh, I'm so glad that it isn't like, okay, maybe it's not so glad. I just think that it's nice that it is acknowledged that some of these leaders of the flock um, shouldn't be leading nobody, right? Because they are just awful, awful. And then the other thing um, was one of the things that Lorelai wanted to make sure that the two twins... BB and Didi knew was um I'm gonna read the sentence because I was like hi jizz as long as they understood a woman could have her own money and transact her own business without the benefit of a man's help approval or interference they would have learned their lesson for the day one of the things that I really liked about Lorelai as a character right um she's a lady gambler she isn't like i'm an eternal being but one of the things that she was like maybe because she had been a young girl who had had to deal with um some of the like the the fallout from like everything that happened with her family is she wanted to make sure that those two young girls knew that the they could learn the lessons that they needed to succeed in life with or without men in the picture um at some point i think the girls mention it to the uncle and the uncle's kind of like what like they'll have a husband for that and she fully looks at him like and if they don't have a husband then what they're they should just like not be able to do anything and he kind of wants to argue that but he realizes like when he dies there is no family left. Their mother has passed. They don't have any other siblings. There is nobody else left. So to not equip them with the information and knowledge that they're going to need to be successful young women with or without Ben in the picture would be a disservice. And I liked that at first he was like, what? And then he thought about it and was like, you have a point. You have a point. Because Part of it being like, A, what you're actually doing, right? Like organizing. Like you could die tomorrow, Mr. Jake Reed. He does it. It's a romance, guys. Remember, happily ever after. But 
letting those girls know from a young age because they're eight um in the book but letting them know from that age onward that they can you know do what they need to do with their money and their business or businesses plural um without ever being like but i need a man to help me but i need a man to approve or i need a man to run interference is absolutely valuable valuable information and i was like yes yes it is yes it is because i think sometimes we forget that like if we don't have these conversations with young kids if we don't foster these ideas in them when they grow up and they aren't able to do these things and have to learn these lessons as fully grown adults it is so much harder it is so much more difficult it is so much more painful and of course it isn't that we're hoping when we teach children these lessons that um bad things will happen and they'll have to figure shit out on their own we're hoping that we will be there for them every step of the way that we will have that we will be the support that they need but life right doesn't just go um okay you're right so and so really needs her mom so i guess she's not gonna die or so and so really needs her dad so i guess he not gonna die but like you know the green reaper whatever you want to call it isn't like mm, i'm sorry you've got three kids i guess not i'll go take over this bachelor over here or this it, no that's not how that works and so while you are here and alive and present and well this is the kind of information that you need to pass on that you need to instill because it will only ever serve them well and i was like i mean if there wasn't enough reasons to love this author here's another one here is another one here is another one yes oh yes oh 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 yeah oh oh Guys, I'm doing a happy dance. Anyway, so I really, really enjoyed A Chance at Love. I think y'all should read it. I think y'all enjoy it too. Um, And if you're like, are there other Beverly Jenkins books? If you have not read Indigo, which is okay because I only read it last year for the first time. Indigo is absolutely magical. Um, It... It is so, so good. I mean, Hester and Galen, or is it Galen? Ga- I think I I call him Galen. If you're like, Esther, no, it's Galen. I'll be like, okay, pero for me, it's Galen. Their story, all right? And this takes place before... Does this take place before the Civil War? I believe so. Or no. I'm talking about confess. Shit, I'm bad at the dates. Anyway, it is. No, it's after Civil War, but I think before. Because there's an underground railroad happening at this time. So, slavery. Okay. Anyway, it is a. F- absolutely phenomenal book if you're like oh i want to read something that she just put out rebel girl and rebel takes place i believe in reconstruction right after um 
Ah, what is that word? I'm blanking. What comes right? Uh, yeah. I'm just going to look it up. I'll be like, reconstruction. You're like, what, girl? I'm like, yeah, that's right. It is a civil war. Oh, because I was mixing it up with a revolutionary war. For some reason, my brain was like, isn't that? Anyway, yes. Rebel is um, a very, very good book choice. If you are like, I need a Miss Bev book to read. I mean, there are so many. Like, everything she puts out is phenomenal. So, you really can't go wrong anywhere. You really can't go wrong anywhere. All right, I'm going to uh, pause here, and then I will be back with uh, one more um, uh, sort of highlight snippet of a book I am currently reading. Okay, so I haven't finished this book yet, um, but... I wanted to just briefly touch on it because I am like, holy fucking shit. Okay. This book comes out June 23rd, 2020, which is also the New York City primary, Democratic primary. Great. Um, you're probably like, what book is Esther talking about? Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. Now, if you've been listening to me uh, throughout these 26 weeks, you know that I am a stan, right? I am a fan, a stan. I am like obsessed with her books. I think she's phenomenal. One day in the far off future, if we are ever again able to have in-person book events with authors and I am able to get to one that she is at, I want to be there. And so I read the first book in the trilogy, uh, which was Get a Life, Chloe Brown, and was blown away um, because Chloe was just such, I loved her and I loved Red. So of course I was like, I hope I can get an advanced reader copy of Take a Hit, Jenny Brown. And like, you know, on Edelweiss, they came through and I was like, all right, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to read this. It's coming out soon. Da, 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 da. And I tweeted, I think a few days ago, that I was at 6% and I had been highlighting almost every other line. Um, And so the reason why I'm like, let me take a moment to like talk about this, even though I'm not fully done the book. And I will be talking about it once I've fully done the book is the way that Talia has used the dialogue between Danica Brown, our main, one of our main characters, our heroine, and... Safir Ansari, I think is so, so well done. Not only do we really understand both of these characters through their interactions with each other and just sort of their thought processes and their dot, but it is, it is, I feel like I'm laughing every other line. Like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm highlighting so much and I, I highlight sometimes, but this, I'm like, this is excessive even for me. And it's just, it is a romance that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be, like, talking about for a very long time. Um, And I'm not totally surprised. I mean, so much of 
the stuff that I've read by Talia Hibbert, I've just, when I've been done, been like, holy shit, mother, what in the, what? Because it is so, so well done. And so this book, I mean, I was expecting that I was going to enjoy it, right? Because I really liked Get a Life Chloe Brown, work for it, literally decimated me emotionally. I was like, pero como mujer, pero como. So I knew that I was going to like this, but the on-page sort of banter and chemistry between Danica and Safir, like... I see I can't really form words because it's so it feels so alive it jumps off the page so well I mean it I'm reading and I'm just like I can see it so clearly sometimes I read books and I'm like I have a vague sort of sep not sepia toned but like imagine a movie image that's very, very, very watered down and blurry and soft and just like there's shapes and, and colors, but it's not really this feels I'm reading it and it's like I can see it in HD. Like I can see it in HD, 4K, whatever the technology terms are for our fancy, fancy photos and movies. And I am so invested in these two and where they're going to end up obviously together because it's a romance and I'm expecting a happily ever after and she wouldn't ever dare not give me that because she knows that we would all die but it is if you're like if you're out there and you listen to me and you've never read Talia Hibber you know what this might be the book for you to start i mean it's the very last book she's put out and she's got a whole backlist and it's technically the second book in the series but but i mean i'm just you have like <laughs> see i can't the words me cannot speak them so even though i'm like oh i don't want to see but then i don't want to spoil it but this is literally in the prologue. Okay, I'm going to read you the first sentence from the prologue. And then I'm going to explain to you why this was like wild for me. Or just like, holy shit. Um, and if you're like, Esther, that's a spoiler. I'm like, technically, if you go to the sample right now on any website and you click, this is what you're going to see. So is it a spoiler? Not really, because it's out there. Okay. The moon was high and full. The night was ripe for witchy business, and Danica Brown had honey on her tit. The left one specifically. Okay, so you're probably like, Esther, I don't get it. I just... I can see the moon. I can see it in the sky, and it is full. And it, you know when you see those nights uh, with a full moon that just... You feel that something anything can happen i can see it and when she focuses on and danica brown had honey on her tit now she specifically says tit she doesn't say boob she doesn't say breasts she doesn't i mean what other words are there? i don't know she could have said chest she says tit and for me i was like ooh, because already i feel like 
I'm in, this isn't a story I'm watching or seeing from a distance, right? I'm not separated by football fields. I'm in it. I'm floating right above it. Not in a creepy manner, but you know, in a whatever. And I'm there, right? This is not a story of two people who are falling in love, who I have no fucking way to connect with. This is the story of two people falling in love who I know. And you're like, Esther, you don't know them. It's the fucking first line in the book, I know. But by bringing us in with tit, right? And then being like, the left one specifically. I mean, we can already imagine honey on a boob. I'm a girl. I would look down. I'm like, oh, I, I can see where the honey would be. And that to me, and not only that, okay, you're doing something and honey is on your boob, which probably means they're not small. The amount of information that I already know about Danica Brown, and it has been one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, one, una. Come on. To me, that's just like, I, was, I literally was like, <gasps> but how? I mean, and so I started reading and was kind of like, holy mother of Christ on, you know, a cracker because it is, I am so, so, so happy that this book exists. I am so happy that Talia Hibbert was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give y'all um you know these stories i'm going to share with y'all my brilliance and my talent and my you know my mind because she could have been like i'm just going to write these from my journal and never share them with people and we wouldn't be allowed to see them and do you know how much of a loss that it would have been so i'm so 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 excited for this book you guys ha- like if you haven't pre-ordered it already and you haven't put it on hold from the library, I would say, you know, you, yes, you're going to be listening to this on Monday. So you got a day. Um, and then I'm pretty sure. So next week, the plan is to talk about Alpha Night and go into spoilers because by that point, I'd be like, okay, well, if you haven't, I, shit. I mean, it, no, I'm going to be really, really, really clear about where spoilers start next week usually i'm just like anyway but next week i'll be very clear about where the spoilers start so in case you're like no esther with the way things are going in the real world no we haven't had time to read the whole book so i don't worry i'm i'm not going to be you know a terrible terrible human but i'm going to make sure that y'all know but yeah next week i'm going to be talking about alpha night and i'm going to be talking about i'm going to be talking about take a hint danny brown it's going to be a twofer, guys, a twofer. Um, was that it? I think so. I mean, it's, it's late for me. Not really. Um, but yeah, that's all I had for you guys. Take a hint. Danny Brown, which is coming out soon, is so far phenomenal. Uh, Beverly Jenkins is absolutely wonderful. And we are blessed to have books from her and she's been writing like i said since 1994 so girls we got a backlist to get through um what else oh like i said check out the juneteenth book fest 
Um, the link to the romance panel is going to be in the show notes. But obviously, once you click on that YouTube link, you can just click on like um, the icon for the, I guess, the people who upload it. I don't know what the words are. Um, and then you can see all the other panels um, because it was so, 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 so good. Um, so, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Stay hydrated um, because it is disgusting out and I'm so over it already. But <laughs> it's only about to be July. Ooh, and wasn't today the summer solstice? I think so. When I'm recording, not when you're hearing. Whatever. Um, all right, so stay hydrated. Be safe. Please keep wearing your mask. I know I know. some people are like, but for what? Because, like, I mean, COVID is gross, and I don't want y'all to get sick. Um, and take care. Uh, eat some ice cream, I guess. I mean, now is the season. You're probably like, some of you might be like, Esther, I eat ice cream all the time. I'm not that kind of person. I really only eat ice cream in the summertime once it's, like, hot, hot. The rest of the time, I'm like, mm, that's cold now because um, I'm weird. So, but I got some Ben and Jerry's to eat because why not? Um, anyway, take care. Be safe. See y'all. No, you will hear me next week.